Hey, all you holistic hipsters out there, it's that time. So grab your chalice of choice and sit back and sip along with us. We would love to welcome you to the Tea Podcast, where we spill the tea on all things holistic in the pet grooming industry. Let me introduce you to our hostesses with the mostesses. She is the socialite of skin and coat care, Ms. Michelle Knowles. And the queen bee of all things oily, Ms. Melissa Conti-Diener. Brought to you by TheOilyGroomer.com Are you searching for a new and more mindful way of grooming? Interested in understanding how to grow your grooming business with a more holistic and organic approach? Please contact Melissa Conti-Diener at TheOilyGroomer.com so that you can set up a meeting and bring balance and prosperity to your life. And AllThingsPaw.com Intermediate and advanced courses in pet esthetician work, fear recovery, animal handling, and more. Get your learn on with all things paw. And by PositiveEd.com Attend from anywhere in the world. Always pay the lowest price. Six to ten hours of innovative content and more. Education for every learning lifestyle. Never miss the class you need. And transcripts are provided for recordings. Say hello to Pet Professional Education Unleashed with PositiveEd.com. Now, let's get this tea party started. All right, Miss Melissa. Hello. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you this fine day? I am doing fantastic. What do you have in your mug today? Tell us about it. I, I have to first tell you about about my mug because, you oh, know, I, do. like all things I collect, I also collect teacups and mugs. And so this was a gift from my, my daughter, Nina, sent this to me and it says, let me overthink about it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's appropriate. It's perfect. So um, I have a... Um, uh, a blend in here that is from the uh, the Mesa herb shop that I go to, to to get some of the teas, and it is a apple spice blend. Yummy! Yeah, it has vanilla, uh, of course, cinnamon in there. Um, it's just a nice, makes me feel uh, like fall might be coming soon since we're going back okay. into the one seventeens here again. So yeah, we can dream. We can dream. We can dream. So here's to fall soon. Okay. No <laughs> doubt. Anytime soon. We'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. What's in your cup? All right. Today, my cup, this is a gift from Aaron Shank, a fellow colleague. Oh, uh, Aaron. Has, I love Aaron. It has a little owl. And then as you're drinking your tea, you can a little birdie comes up. Oh, that's so cute. Mm -hmm. Just like Erin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, will make you be her best friend. She yes. can't help it. <laughs> Today I have dandelion, burdock, and hawthorn. Just oh. for a really good nutritive boost. Yeah. That's good for a tummy ache too, dandelion. Mm -hmm. Dandelion's a good digestive aid. Yes. And burdock. And burdock, yes. Mm -hmm. um, most people just think dandelions are a weed. Dandelions are so nutritious and they're also medicinal. Uh, so stop killing your dandelions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're watching, there's Chuck is now on the feed. Do you see him lounging? Hi, in the Chuck. Chair? <laughs> Hi, Chuck. He's listening to me too. Yes, <laughs> it's like I'm king of the recliner over there. You're That's adorable. Chuckles chuckles <laughs> all right so so what's our topic today <gasps> it's tinctures infusions and poultices oh my hi uh, so we're going to discuss uh all the different ways you can ingest your herbs because it doesn't matter how you do it you just 
have to do it. <laughs> you should be. You should be doing it. That's yes. what should be done. Correct. Uh, it depends on whether it's in your tea or if it is infused in something, uh, water or an oil, um, and then a poultice. Maybe we should actually explain what tinctures, infusions, and poultices are because not what? a lot of people understand all this fancy schmancy jargon that we use. So, oh, I'm sorry. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Why don't you give us a breakdown on that, Professor? <laughs> All right. So you can have fresh or dried herbs and you can sprinkle them right on your food or put them in your mouth. Uh, you can also dry them and powder them and put them in capsules. You can make tea by adding herbs to hot or cold water. An infusion is a strong tea made with either hot or cold water. They're often allowed to steep for many hours. A decoction is a very strong herbal tea made by reducing the tea, often by as much as half its original volume, to concentrate the constituents. So it's a decoction. Then you have an herbal broth, often made with medicinal mushrooms or by incorporating herbs into traditional slow-cooked bone broths. Then you can have a steam. An herbal steam is a bit like tea in that boiling water is poured over herbs, but instead of drinking it, you inhale the steam, which is filled with the volatile oils of the herbs. This is especially useful for respiratory conditions. This method is also sometimes used on other parts of the body, such as tender parts after childbirth, uh, when they're still too injured to apply a compress. Then we have a poultice. Poultice uh, is when you grind up uh, or chop the herbs uh, and you make them a little bit moist and then you slap them on the injured area. Uh, a tincture is an alcohol extract of fresh or dried herbal material. Most are single extraction tinctures made with just alcohol, but some use a double extraction method that first extracts with alcohol and then with water because some of the pieces of the medicine are pulled out by water and they're water soluble and some are alcohol soluble. And then others in other herbs are oil soluble. So then we have an herbal glycerite. Similar to a tincture, a glycerite uses vegetable glycerine instead of alcohol. So you're basically soaking your herbs in glycerin. Uh, herbal sprays, usually similar to a tincture, but put into a spray bottle and you spray it on. Uh, infused oil, dried herbs are infused into a carrier oil, which can be used internally or externally. Uh, it's commonly used topically uh, to make soap, salves, or cosmetics, or you can just use the herb as a wipe. Uh, herbal salve can be made by adding wax to an herbal infused oil to create a semi-solid preparation. Then you can make soap. You can make bath salts, bath bombs, and cyst bath. You can infuse in vinegar, infuse in honey, inf uh, ferment the honey, and infuse the herbs into it. An oxymel is a mixture of herbs, vinegar, and honey that's taken as a syrup. Uh, herbal syrups are simmered with water. Herbs are simmered with water and sugar or honey to create a sweet medicinal syrup. Uh, you can make cough drops, lollipops, candied herbs, jellies, jello, and gummies. An electuary is a mix of honey and dried herbs where enough dried herbal material is added so that the electuary can be formed into herb and honey packets or pills. So you barely add enough moisture just to make it into field, uh, field moistness. And uh, you can make a, a little a pill. A compress is a cloth soaked in a cool herbal infusion and then applied topically. And then you have a fomentation, which is a cloth that is soaked in the strong hot infusion and then applied topically. You can literally lay a towel over a damp towel over a dog, the back of a dog, and pour uh, the cooled mixture over it so that it stays on the towel and then stays on the pet for a little bit longer. Okay, and then of course you can make an herbal wine or a mead or a beer. Uh, so it really doesn't matter how you take your herbs as long as you're taking them. You can make suppositories for heaven's sake. You can do all kinds of different things. So that's just to give you uh, an idea of how versatile um, the, delivery, the delivery mechanisms are to deliver those herbs. And it depends on the, the patient, 
and, and the issue that's going on um, as to where you pick one or the other. Well, so. you had me at herbal wine. You lost me at suppository. Ah! <laughs> How about an herbal wine suppository? I think I'd rather uh, ingest it in a, a, regular, a regular fashion. Um, <laughs> or you could just be secretive about it and be like, I'm drinking herbal wine right now and you don't even know it. No, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Michelle, so secret herbal wine. Right. Can I have a box of that wine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, I think that we're. I think that the general public is a little bit squeamish about suppositories. Yeah, but they're so valuable in the fact that. And I'm just gonna be real, just for a moment. Um, if you're constipated, would you rather wait for something you take by mouth? to go all through your body, melt in your stomach, go through your bloodstream, and then get to where you're constipated? Or would you just love to just use a suppository and maybe in the next five minutes or so, you're ready to rock? Yeah, really. uh, and for females, you can vaginally use a suppository to help with pain during menstruation, uh, menopause, all kinds of other things. If you're having a, uh, an infection, uh, you can deliver it directly to the tissues that need that medicine the most. So when you're talking about herbs, I mean, they're, they are wonderful no matter where you put them. <laughs> no matter where you put them. No matter where. Even in your wine. So. Even in, especially in your wine. <laughs> <laughs> so I've taken tinctures. Mm -hmm. I have created and used my own infusions. And I have used infusions, uh, and I've actually made tinctures for my animals as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and used infusions on my animals. Uh, but my favorite is uh, to use a poultice during my canine massage sessions. So in Thailand, it's a very, it's a, uh, a very um, therapeutic way to um, kind of supercharge the, the, the effects of the massage. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, you can always just lay a towel over a dog and pour that over top and let those herbs sit there. Well, to do it with a poultice, you use that cotton or that muslin and you steam those mm -hmm. and they're warm and it releases the oils from the plants. And then you use those as you massage those over that dog's body. Ah, I see. Okay. And, and that's how you would do it with a human being as well. And mm -hmm. I have done that and I've used them uh, for things like hip dysplasia um, just any of the, um, sore muscles, um, arthritis, um, just general lameness, you know, where they mm. have what I like to call the technical term, they have a hitch in their giddy up. Yeah. And so we're not quite sure what's going on, but we know that they twisted a leg or, um, they jumped off the sofa and they're a little sore. The poultices mm -hmm. work nice, um, and you're using that in a massaging fashion. Mm -hmm. So those work great that way as well. Um, but uh, I've, I've done a lot of different oil infusions to create a carrier oil for my essential oils. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all really valid uh, to use. Uh, and I think the most surprising thing in this journey that I've learned about herbs is you can actually just make a tea, especially if you want to infuse those herbs around felines and you can just put it in a diffuser. Yeah. And that's it just, amazing. it blew my mind. I'm like, of course you can do that. So let's say that you're hesitant about using a strong essential oil. You right. can use the herb equivalent, make a weak tea, and then diffuse that and be assured that the cat's still going to get the benefit. Like a cat that has a respiratory infection or something can breathe that in. Uh, Aaron, actually, who gifted me this mug. 
uh, does uh, herbal tea uh, diffusions in a diffuser for her cat. Uh, she gets treatments in the morning and then in the evening and she just sits in the bathroom with her and the cat literally will walk over to it and breathe it in oh, like yeah. she wants it. Um, so uh, she upped her game and started feeding those same herbs also into her food and she eats them right up. I've been told that herbs are really hard to give to cats, but I'm telling you what, as soon as uh, I dump some herbs from doing the infusions and I strain them off, I throw them in the garden to, uh, to compost my dogs find them and eat them yeah I was they're just say, like these are delicious yeah <laughs> if they're if they're needing something they're usually naturally drawn to it and i know aaron's cat has chronic rhinitis which is mm -hmm. not an unusual thing for felines mm -hmm. so it is a chronic uh upper respiratory infection basically right. um so uh so she's definitely treating that uh, as holistically as she possibly can with mm -hmm. feeding the herbs and doing a, um, a diffusion of the tea. Mm -hmm. um, I just removed not, I'm trying to think, I probably did it last fall, um, the last bit of my lavender under my uh, eucalyptus tree outside. It lasted five, well, no more, now six years. So, wow. um and it was huge under there. It, I, mm -hmm. I maybe did four plants and it propagated and got enormous and it finally died out. It's only supposed to live maybe two years. Wow. Um, it just had that perfect place. Yep. It was just that sweet spot. And man, it grew like crazy. And my cat, White, he loves to go. He used to love to go and lay in it and just mm -hmm. go lay in that patch of lavender and yeah, that's why it's out. dead now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but he's like, this is lovely. That's what he would do. He would lay in it and he would chew on some of the little flowers at times. And I mean, I think that they're drawn instinctually to those. It's called something pharmacology, and I can't remember it now because mm -hmm. I have, I can't, my brain doesn't want to work. It's not right. I need herbs for brain function. <laughs> <laughs> you need some of the but, ones that I had the last. Yeah, episode. I know. Well, I know. <laughs> but there's an actual term for it where the animals choose the oils and choose the herbs and choose. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They and they found to it. They found all kinds of wild stuff. Chimps in the zoo, in farm, the, uh, zoo, zoo pharmacology, something. Yeah, like that. yeah, something yeah. like that. But there's an actual. Uh, they've observed behavior in chimpanzees if they get a in the wild some kind of a infection or whatever. They right. travel outside of their territory to go to a special place where the one plant grows, and then they'll eat that plant. Right. Even if they have to cross another tribe's territory, which is crazy, but they yep. know that that's where the medicine is. Uh, it's been observed in horses. It's been observed in uh, dogs and cats, uh, all of them. Sometimes even when they eat grass, they're treating yeah. something that's going on. Um, so they do recognize and smell. They're probably more in tune with their nutrition and their walk upon the earth than we are. We're so far removed uh, from our actual villages where we live in cities and towns, uh, now with modern methods. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm certain there are people who are, um, who live in the country who have probably lived in the country, uh, in different countries all their life. So they've learned this, um, herbology from their great grandmother and passed it on down and they just, Oh, I'm feeling bad. I know I need to go out there and get that one plant that looks like this. We probably need to get, closer to that i'm thinking uh oh yeah yeah modern farming techniques and modern farming methods are not as nutritious as they possibly could be they're just meant to so, feed a bunch of people right. not really give all the nutrition to a bunch of people so i think uh especially now i'm i am not with a capital n-o-t <laughs> a horse person i had to uh, to get my master's in my animal massage, I had to work with feet, uh, with uh, equine, um, and it was a wonderful experience. And I worked with equines that were for um, that were used for therapy work for uh, 
children with uh, developmental disabilities. Right. And, um, and they're beautiful creatures. It's just not uh, an animal that I know a lot about. But what I do know is that they use quite a bit of poultices on, on equine when treating mm-hmm. them uh, for cuts and abrasions and even sore muscles. And they will be quick to create these, uh, use clays and use make these masks, but they're basically poultices mm-hmm. with the herbs in there. And they use those a lot. And I always wonder why is it such a prevalent thing with equine, but not in the canine and the feline veterinary world. I'll tell you why. Yes, I knew you would have the answer. All because horse, a wise woman. Horse, horses <laughs> don't fit in our tub. Oh, yeah. So you have to make treatments that stick to them. They're outdoor barn animals, basically. Right. They live in, in the meadow. Um, you have to um, You have to make sure that all their treatments stick to them, basically. And then you wrap them. And then just change them every 24 or 48 hours, right. uh, depending. Um, so that's why. That, that's really the only reason. Like a goat okay. can fit in the tub. I'll do a goat in the tub. It's fine. Right. <laughs> but, but in general, once you get to those large animals, elephants, giraffes, you know, um, herd animals and things like that, uh, they need to be treated where they are. So we kind of try to isolate them, uh, give them poultices. Uh, if they're in a zoo environment, they usually have like a, a nursery area where a hospital area where they have a pen where they can be isolated right. from the herd or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's basically why. And, and just their anatomy itself doesn't, you know, you can't really put a bandaid on them. It's got to be some no. type of a wrap. So yeah, that's why. And poultices can be left exposed or they can be wrapped um, mm. with gauze or with, uh, uh, any kind of like a cotton, something that's still going to be slightly breathable. Mm-hmm. And just to hold the herbs close to the skin. Right. To the issue. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it is. And what's funny though, is that uh, I'm studying under this veterinarian. He used to poultice everything. Uh, I've seen pictures of poultices being put on open exposed bone. Oh, really? You have no idea. I'm trying to get permission to use some of his before and afters before until I get some of my own. I'm so impressed with just herb work. He's taken degloving's uh, and grown skin back on, and there's just a little bit of a a scar. Like it's just amazing. He used to poultice everything. He used to think the poultice is where it's at, but he found right. out because the lady only had the dried herbs for whatever reason. Uh, and she just started using the spray and it clicked in his head. He's like, well, I don't need to have the poultice and it's messy and it, you know, you have to clean it up when you're done soaking it. Right. He goes, just, just use a spray, use a strong spray with all the same herbs in them and you can spray them and then gently cover, uh, the wound so it doesn't get infected, you know, with other stuff. Uh, so he uses a spray and then he uses an oil. Uh, that's also infused with those same herbs and he gets the same results. I'm talking about degloving's. Uh, wow. uh, well, if you don't know what a degloving is, Michelle, it, you can explain. It's kind of gross, but you can yeah. explain. A degloving is when the skin is basically in, within the accident. The skin is peeled off of a piece of the body. Uh, Think of peeling off a pair of gloves. Yeah. So if somebody, something would compress me here and just run all my my hands off and take off my evening glove, basically, and yeah. just leave bone and tissue and muscle. Uh, that's a degloving. Um, you see it in uh, a lot of victims of uh, car accidents. Uh, cats sleeping on the carburetor uh, tend to get deglovings when the car is started. Um, it can happen during an animal attack, uh, anywhere that the skin is loosened and then pulled away from the viscera. So it just uh, so exposes just exposed meat with right. no skin yeah. on it, right? <laughs> Is yeah. the degloving. So yes, I've seen those actually being treated with herbs alone. Now I do have a couple of cases where I've only used herbs uh, and not any commercial preparations, and it is astounding. Uh, which is why I, I decided to go into the herbal apothecary. I think that this is a layer of nutrition and um, healing 
possibilities that has been overlooked in the grooming industry for a really long time. We've always had our fringe um, uh, holistic groomers or people that want to, you know, just have the most benign and gentle treatments as possible to do the, the most work. But not including herbs, now that I have a, a, an understanding of how they work, why they work, and that they actually do work, they're real medicine. You can fix so many things just herbally. Uh, and uh, I am developing uh, an herbal course that's going to lay on top and complement um, my master pet esthetician course and my salon environment esthetician course. Uh, it would be open to students or anybody who just wants to learn about herbology and how to incorporate some of those things into your practice. Uh, I think that a lot of a lot of infections that are antibiotic resistant are not resistant to herbal antibiotics and herbal treatments uh, because there's so many other things, other constituents that are inside the herbs that work synergistically with each other. Whereas an antibiotic uh, made in a lab is just that it's been boiled down to just that one thing. Uh, and I think the herbal antibiotics uh, are, are a lot different. Uh, they just, they ha don't have anything taken away from them. They have all the pieces that work together to make your flesh and your skin and your nerves healthy again. Well, again, mm -hmm. I've said this before purpose. So I think as I believe everything has a purpose, there's a purpose for everything. And it's like, we know that if you eat a piece of broccoli, it stimulates uh, enzymes in your, um, in your saliva to start to break down that and yes. to send specific vitamins and, you know, minerals. And it, it's a whole process as we macerate this vegetable it, there's there's an actual chemical process that's going on inside your mouth. As what's even better, what's even better is that they don't even release the broccoli won't even release those compounds until you mash those little florets together. Right. It's, it's so process. crazy. Yeah. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's mm -hmm. there is I I truly believe there is a purpose in the process of everything. So. Mm -hmm. Um, these, these plants and these herbs, if they're used in that synergistic way where mm -hmm. you are allowing them to fulfill their purpose, mm -hmm. um, to work like that, they, they literally go to work when you mm -hmm. apply them in these ways. Yeah. That old, uh, adage, uh, let your medicine be thy food and let your food yes. be thy medicine is true yeah. these are herbs and things that we would have naturally eaten uh yes. back in the day you know to nourish us and to keep us healthy and to boost our immune system uh and all those things that herbs do are very holistic uh they're very therapeutic uh that's what they're meant for this is where medicine came from oh, uh, i yeah if you have an apothecary that actually gives uh internal supplements uh, you have to sit down with the FDA because they have a thing or two to tell you. They literally told uh, a couple of people that I know that do supplements for pre for people internally. Uh, they're like, well, uh, what you're doing is you are selling medicine, uh, but we just choose not to um, prosecute you at this time. So herbs are a viable way of treating a lot of things um, without pharmaceuticals. Now, I'm not here to say, okay, you're going to cure cancer with some dandelion tea. However, you can absolutely boost the immune system of the person who is going through the cancer treatments or going through the thing, the diabetic, right, the, you know, the Cushing's, the whatever, the pick, pick, whatever you always. And that yes. is what, that's what therapeutic spa is. Right. You boost and support the immune system and the ability of the person to get rid of toxins. That is spa. So well, it, I think we've lost a lot of that. I think yeah. we've lost a lot of that in our instant gratification nation where mm -hmm. everything is quick and fast and encapsulated for us. Um, mm -hmm. And we don't have to think anymore. Just think about, think about how our grandparents used to cook. 
I oh, agree wow, with yeah. that. You know, how thoughtful those meals were. Like why, like I, I come from an Italian background. So um, why did my grandmother cook the way that she used to cook them and put the olive oil in the pan and then put the, the chopped up tomatoes in there and let that simmer and cook and then add in the garlic. And mm-hmm. it wasn't just open a jar, pour something on top of this. No, it was, you need to release those aromas. You need to infuse that oil before mm-hmm. it even goes on top of whatever, whether it mm-hmm. was going to be a, a fresh loaf of bread or if it was going to be eaten on top of a pasta, mm-hmm. because they knew that that food is medicine as well, that mm-hmm. it's going to work within your gut to yeah. Yeah, eating a, a raw tomato is different than eating one that's been simmered uh, because yep. it actually does release the the chemicals that yeah. make you healthy. The, the warming of it uh, is yeah. what translates that tomato into actual nurturative food. I think eating a tomato right. raw is delicious and you do yeah. get some nutrient from it, but not the reason for eating a tomato is that particular chemical. Uh, right. So you want to eat it in a sauce or warmed up or wilted with some spinach or something mm. right <laughs> yeah because they complement each other so when you think of things like we just live in the era of like this diet that diet uh you know south beach mm. this you know a pill will make you skinny a pill, a pill will fix your stuff or whatever right and it's like it's not like that we are uh a collection of so many different systems that are working right. in synergy with each other how can one pill you know, it's just, oh, okay, that'll make you better. This is a whole system that has various nutritive needs. And the chart or the list of trace minerals alone is longer than this room is wide. So, I mean, if you think about it like that, you can't just support the skin and not support the heart and not support the lungs right. and not support the whatever. Everything has to be supported in a gentle, slow, ramped up way so that you're not damaging another system by trying to make one system better. So again, Uh, it's not an instant gratification type of practice. Yeah. It is a patient and allow these things to start to do their work. Mm -hmm. You're not going to apply these herbs and have it work overnight. Right. Right. Just when we do when I do a therapeutic um, session with a dog, even um, I'm not trying to make that yeast infection go away that session. Right. Uh, And that's a very Western way of thinking about Mm -hmm. it. We want the yeast to go away right now. What I'm doing when I do a therapeutic spa treatment uh, is I actually am giving all that nutrition through the skin and letting the body decide where it needs to use that nutrition. And you're doing it gently, which is why we do it over a four-week period of time. Right. You don't want to just hurry up and get it done because that's not how our systems work. We ramp up gently and we're going to ramp down gently. And that's how we want to do it because then you give the chance to the skin to decide how to process better again. It's like the body forgets. Once it doesn't have what it needs, it starts shutting down or it just goes into dormancy. But when you start feeding it again, it wakes up and says, oh, yeah, this is how I'm supposed to work. This is how I'm supposed to grow a hair out of the follicle. Right. You know, I'm finally getting the vitamins that I need to grow a hair out of this follicle or to get rid of that. I'm finally getting the nutrition I need to balance the flora and fauna on my skin so that I can deal with my life and heal again because the dog does all the work. The immune system of the dog does all the work. We're just giving it what it needs to do its job. And that's what medicine is. Right. Well, we're setting it up to be restorative. So Mm -hmm. I always say dis-ease because that's what any disease is, Mm -hmm. is a dis-ease where the body is out of balance. It is no longer at ease. It's having a hard time with something. So when we're trying to restore that balance, we want to do restorative work. It's just like when people plant a tree to help the environment, it doesn't do its job overnight. It takes time and it has to grow and it has to do. It's the same thing when we do these. We um, 
use tinctures, we use infusions, we make poultices, we're, we're um, working in that therapeutic realm. But we also have to understand that if that animal continues to go home and is on a, a diet that is not nutritive to that pet, and they have skin issues, and we're trying to work therapeutically, but, but when they're not being taken care of in the nutritional sense as well, you're going to be kind of paddling upstream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, you're trying to do, or, you know, swimming upstream because you're, you're just trying to do something that is not being supported all the way around. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important that if you're working therapeutically, that your client, and at least in my opinion, that your client is also connected <clears throat> with a inter, uh, integrative veterinarian or a holistic mm-hmm. veterinarian mm-hmm. so that they can say, I'm also working with uh, a pet esthetician to, mm-hmm. um, to, handle these skin issues or, um, you know, whatever it is, it, it's not a one shot and you're done. Like we talked about T rinses and that kind of stuff. Those are great. Um, and they work well for what they are, but when you're working in true spa therapeutics, it's different than just trying to relax a dog or a cat. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. when you start working with tinctures, infusions, and poultices, you have moved into therapeutics yes. over just general spa relaxation. Right. Or just getting the dog clean. Right. Or just, yeah, getting so. the dog clean. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I just wanted to kind of clarify that because what mm-hmm. we're talking about is, is very advanced knowledge on how you are presenting your grooming mm-hmm. uh practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things, even for veterinarians is the compliance, the buy-in. Not only do you have to buy in, your client has to buy into the treatment, but they have to understand how it's going to work. So you have to understand how it's going to work so you can explain it to them. Right. And then, and then you need compliance. And a lot of the times when veterinarians say, okay, I want you to take this shampoo and I want you to wash them, you know, twice a week, blah, blah, blah. They're hoping that you do it once a week. Okay. A lot of times people will take that shampoo home, shampoo them once, decide that it's yucky and doesn't do it. The skin is still bad. They go back and say, yeah, that shampoo didn't work. Right. The vet knows you only did it once. He already knows that. (laughs) She already knows that. (laughs) So compliance is important. So if you have a buy-in, especially at a grooming level, you can really do a lot. Uh, if you can get the, the client to come every week, you can make yeah. a real change in, in that pet's uh, well-being. So, And that's what you're talking about. You're talking mm-hmm. about making changes to their overall well-being. Mm-hmm. If you can help alleviate the issue, not just mask symptoms, because that's not what you're trying to do therapeutically. Right. A lot of times just... Uh, a, Oh, the dog's itchy. Oh, I gave him a Benadryl. That all that does is just it's an antihistamine. It just shuts down those histamines that are making the dog itch, but it deals with no reasoning behind why. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not boosting the immune system, no. so it's less itchy. You're not creating a barrier so the it's thing that's not- making it itchy is not there anymore. So right. I mean there's there's a reason why you would take a medication for right. uh, an allergy or whatever. You want to eliminate the source, not just take away the symptoms. symptoms uh, then right. it will never fix. It will always come back. It will always be an issue. Um, and the longer that the pet has to deal with an allergy or an imbalance, the worse all of the systems get and everything's not working and functioning. Then we end up failing uh, uh, large organs, the liver, the pancreas, the bladder, you know, simply because if one thing, if one wrench gets thrown into the works and one thing's not working over the lifetime of the dog, those are the sickest dogs that we see because they've never been balanced from the start. They live right. an entire life imbalanced. And one of the best ways to uh, illustrate this is that you see those dogs that come in. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, and then one day they'll get a scratch and get a bacterial infection. So now 
the parent gets into their head, the client gets into their head. Oh, now he's got delicate skin. So now I have to use special shampoos and I don't want them greasy. So I'm not going to use conditioner on them. Uh, so the pet gets bathed with no conditioner, bathed with no conditioner. This causes some kind of a greasy um, uh, condition to occur without even calling it a name. It will, it will convince the skin that it is so dry that it needs to overcompensate by making more sebum. So this ends up being some type of seborrhea and it continues and continues and continues. And then this dog goes through uh, prescription shampoo after prescription shampoo after prescription shampoo, further drying out the skin. Nobody gives it nourishment. Nobody gives it oils. Nobody gives it conditioner. And then they come to me after 10 years of being like this, can you fix this? And I'm like, okay. Uh, this is an actual thing. And people say, well, conditioner is not that important. Maybe not one time, maybe not two times, but over the lifetime of the pet, that conditioner is, uh, can either make or break the health of that dog just by, by helping the skin be the proper barrier. It's supposed to be. If your barrier, if your skin isn't supple and it cracks, you're going to get infection. If it's overly greasy because you've deprived it of oil and now all the sebum is being produced, you're going to get an infection because that overproduction of sebum lets bacteria and all kinds of other stuff feed on it. And then you get an infection. So we're, what we're looking for all the time in therapeutic spa is balance. We want balance. We don't want too much of this and not enough of this. We want balance, but we want it to come from the dog. So that if you give it ingredients, if you give it nourishment, uh, the dog's skin will show you every single time, okay, it needs a little bit more minerals. It needs a little bit more conditioner or less. Uh, and you can tell by the hair, the hair will respond, the skin will respond. And if you're doing the right thing, a horrible yucky skin responds the first time and you can tell you're on the right track, which is why I always make them come uh, every week for four weeks and then we reassess. And then I offer, if we are on the right track, I offer the parent, well, do you want to continue this at home? I'll sell you a package. Uh, and then they can do it at home because many people love to give their dogs bath or care for them. I mean, they're a family member, but a lot of people don't. So they continue their therapy uh, with me until their dog is fixed. Uh, and the skin is all nice and pink and healthy and as healthy as we could get it. And then we try to wean them off therapy as much as possible. It shouldn't be for forever. Some dogs with uh, chronic conditions will be, will have therapy their entire lives. They, that's just how it is. Um, but the goal of therapeutic spa is to not be on therapy anymore and just be on a maintenance shampoo and conditioner. And it is doable. Mm -hmm. It is. It, I know a lot of people that are like, oh, well then they have to, they have to do this all, you know, their whole life or this is, but no, if you can manage to bridge that gap between you, the pet owner, and the veterinarian, mm -hmm. and have compliance where everyone is uh, following a protocol for inside and outside of that animal, mm -hmm. then you're able to, um, to set all those wheels in motion for healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do feel like uh, a lot of groomers think that uh, topicals don't really fix anything. Uh, right. So many people are so many people are like, oh, yeah, well, health starts in the gut. And while, yes, I do believe that garbage in, garbage out. Uh, I believe that with all of my heart. You cannot deny the ability to treat mammals through their skin. You can't deny that. You can't deny no. that. So if you're if like if I if you're in the desert with me and you're just uh, trying to heal your dog's skin through food and extra oil on its kibble, you're going to lose the deals. The environment is so harsh here that it will dry the top of your dog off and create all kinds of problems. Right. Your dog has to have conditioner. It has to have oils, minerals to be replaced. If you sweat a bunch because you run or you do athletics or whatever and you sweat a bunch, what do you need? electrolytes and water right it's the same for their skin in any type of, of uh, environment because they're being depleted topically of those things their skin is the first barrier it's the barrier to keep all the toxins and the bad stuff out of the body if it's all dried up 
and, and can't be supple and can't work correctly, it's going to crack and create infection. And not only for the skin, perhaps it'll travel into the bloodstream as well and create havoc throughout the body. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing is that we have to understand that when you're applying anything topically, that you are affecting that animal it is going to go into the bloodstream. It's going to pass through that barrier, which is the skin. So um, when we, it's a little off topic from our tinctures, infusions, and poultices, but when we, we can digress all we want. I know. <laughs> when we make purchases, we just need to be far more mindful of the products that we're using. Not only are the animals uh, in danger of, you know, getting sick or drying their skin out or any, I remember the days when we used to wash the dogs in those tar shampoos and, and the dips mm -hmm. and you used to have to wear those super thick rubber gloves. And I, if I mean, they even gave you gloves, sometimes gloves, they didn't. I know. <laughs> sometimes I know. like, oh, you just, you're fine. You're fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. And it's like, you know, think about, be mindful of what you're using and what you're doing and how you're working. Um, if you're skipping conditioner because it, you feel like it slows you down, then you need to reassess and you're clean and you are wanting to work holistically. Mm -hmm. Then you need to reassess how you're working. Because holistic and fast usually don't go together. Right, right. So, and people, the people, the clientele that you will cultivate will want that. Right. They will want you to slow down a little bit. They will want you to use your herbal decoctions on their dog. Right. You know, they're down. They're down with it. You can, you can cultivate any kind of clientele. Um, but in order to stop the madness... Um, you can do one less dog and charge a little bit more. It covers oh, yeah. the time that it takes to do each dog in a calm, friendly manner, uh, rather than power grooming through these dogs and really only giving them clean. You know, it's the difference between just, okay, let's get it clean. Bam, you're done. Let, okay, let's really concentrate on the health of your skin. You know, right. it's the difference between great clips and somebody you would pay $400 to do your hair. Right. You know, it, it really does matter, you know the mindfulness factor really does matter. Otherwise I'm just here to trim your toes and run a clipper blade over you. And thanks. Now give me my money. Right. You know, and all Which, those poor bathers out there, let's talk about those bather hands just for a minute at the tail yeah. end here. Tinctures, infusions, and poultices, oh my, could be used on your poor hands. Yeah. If you are constantly getting those hair splitters between your fingers and your, your hands are cracking it's time to talk to the management, I think, a little bit about what uh, products. products that you're using in the salon. Yeah. Um, because I bathe my own dogs. Now, I bathe less than ever before, but I've never had cracked hands. I always moisturize. Wash the shampoo off your dog. It, like if you are shampooing a dog, I know a lot of bathers and I've seen it over and over again. You don't think about it. You're like, ah, they're going to be wet anyway. So you don't pay attention to your hands. Whatever stage the dog is in, if it's soaking in conditioner, you should also be soaking in that conditioner. Once you apply the shampoo and you're going to let it sit for a moment, rinse the shampoo off your hands, put a little bit of conditioner on there and run it through those fingers and over there just to have a barrier. You need nutrients because your hand skin is waterlogged and yeah. all your nutrients and your your flora and fauna have been disrupted that's why your hands are like that so you actually need probably an herbal and mineral cream uh, to put on your hands between dogs that you bathe and after you're all done and you're like well the it's just going to get washed off again that's fine put it on there let that skin absorb as much as it can while right. you're going to the kennel and getting a dog and putting it back in there you're getting the dog wet again Shampoo it up, rinse the shampoo off, put some conditioner on your hands, rinse the dog off, condition the dog. And after you're done and you towel it off, put it in the kennel, you should have a little thing right in your pocket. Take it out, squirt some oil and minerals on your hands, rub them in, go get your next dog. Uh, and once that becomes natural to you, you won't even think about it and your hand health will improve. The skin on your hands will improve. 
because uh, waterlogged hands are no joke and they're so painful. And a lot of people don't want to groom anymore because they're experiencing that, but they don't know just changing product a little bit. And the way the techniques that you use those products in between baths will save your hands. And it also, I think is uh, important to say that as we age, our skin changes. And so um, I talk to a lot of groomers that are my age, that are, uh, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, and that are like, oh, my, you know, my hands just, I get the slightest scratch or I get the slightest thing and I wind up with it like uh, it swells and you get that little uh, infection, Mm -hmm. that weld Mm -hmm. will start and it, and I tell them all the time and at work, I work with primarily 18 to 25 year olds and they still, they'll all, they always come in the classroom and they'll be like, do you have oil for this? Or they'll just be like, this is what's wrong. What do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, because I've I, seen more human body parts with stuff on them that I care to look yeah. at. I, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> But it's, and they, they don't understand that if they would just use an an oil that's infused with say rosemary, Mm -hmm. um, or, uh, you know, that's a nice one. That's an antibacterial or anti-inflammation, right. Anti-inflammation. And there's so many herbs that across the gamut do this, do similar things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can throw lavender in there as well. Calendula. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch, but something that simple, and you don't have to make them yourself. You can purchase them. Arnica. I, I usually have the Arnica oil and it's just an infusion, Mm -hmm. um, with Arnica, which is so nice. And I usually will do that on my seniors Mm. and just rub on the joints and just get that in there but i also rub it on me on my elbows my wrists my fingers because from grooming forever i have arthritis in my hands i have trigger thumb i have a couple of trigger fingers that get stuck um so using those infusions are are so helpful for you to just have longevity in general and how much better do you feel when you're not cranky because your hands are killing you or your elbows or your shoulder or, um, right. I can't tell you how many times they, and they're kids and they come in and they're like, my back, I just worked on that newfie doodle and mm-hmm. it was 200 pounds and blah, blah. And they're like, my back, my lower back is killing me. And I will take, usually take out my roller of whatever I have that's for that. And, I'd be like, here, take this and just run it across your, you know, your lower back or run it over your shoulder blades or. And you know what? On that same note, I'd like to call out those of you who groom and also do um, athletic work and yoga and this and the other. Maybe come up with a small chart of one to five items on how to stretch out major muscle groups. Oh, yeah. You could put in the salon. Um, I certainly could do it, but uh, I would like for somebody else to do that so I can have only 20 million things on my list. Yeah, I was going to say, 20 million and one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've got one too many also. So. Yeah. So uh, anybody who does athletics or, or trains um, could make a small chart and just say, you know what? Uh, if you've lifted a dog and your back is kind of twingy, these are good exercises to stretch uh, in between dogs to make sure that you don't hurt yourself. Okay. Uh, just like wrist stretches at the beginning of the day are super good. If you're going to be doing a lot of scissoring, uh, do your wrist stretches and your forearm stretches, you know, strip those uh, muscles out right there so that you're ready for your day. You should not go in cold. Uh, we are we are athletes in, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and we ha- we have to have our body ready for our day. Absolutely. And you can purchase tinctures, you mm-hmm. can purchase infusions, and you can even purchase all the parts of a poultice. You absolutely create, can. Like, you know, the individual or all together. And then you put it together when you're ready to macerate those herbs in your mortar and pestle and add your oil or whatever you're, you know, putting together. Mm-hmm. <coughs> There are, uh, Michelle is uh, working on her own apothecary for, uh, for pets, 
but there are also other ones out there that are up and that are functioning. And I utilize uh, two different ones. I won't give a, a name because there's a ton of different ones out there, mm -hmm. but um, I purchase tinctures for certain dogs. I use infused oils and infusions. I have some that are afraid of uh, thunderstorms and loud noises. Um, some of them are amazing just to help and they're just herbal infusions. Uh, most of the ones I get are the, um, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, the tinctures are in the glycerin form. So it's mm -hmm. the herbs in the glycerin and it's a sugar. So it's sweet for them. It tastes a little better. Um, and they're sorry, Juju can't hold her liquor. If you're if you're watching this, her tongue just doesn't stop. So, <laughs> but I utilize those a lot instead of giving them a doggy Prozac or a, you mm -hmm. know doggy Valium. Um, a, my friend Kate Clayson teaches an amazing class on uh, sedatives and when we groom and dogs are on gabapentin and some of these other sedative type drugs that um, we have to be on guard even more because it changes their bodies physiologically as well as their mind. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah, years ago they used to give acepromazine all the time. It was like the thing to give the difficult dog. And sometimes it would affect them in the opposite way. Well, the thing about ACE, the thing about ACE promazine is that up until a certain period of time, they thought that it just paralyzed everything. So they right. would just give ACE and do surgery. What they didn't realize is ACE promazine paralyzes the body and not the mind. Right. So they are completely aware of the fact that things are happening. Can you imagine right. being locked in, having locked in syndrome and having yeah, surgery done on you? Can you even imagine it? So Ace Promazine is not something that I would give to anybody. Maybe from the Alprazolam family. Uh, that's like Xanax, perhaps. Right. Um, but in essence, dogs are so sensitive and cats are so sensitive in their smeller that you could literally not even put anything on them. Just open a jar and let that aroma get to them and they calm. Because if you're smelling something, molecules are actually entering your body to smell it. And that includes the yucky stuff too, <laughs> but well, absolutely. And, you and, and physically dogs literally have, depending on their face, like, I mean, I, I have Shih Tzu. So some that we have varying degrees of a face, you mm -hmm. know, like a bridge of a nose and that some mm -hmm. have more muzzle. nose than mm -hmm. others, but dogs actually right in that muzzle area. They actually, when you get to that stop, in their um in their face if you look at the way the bone structure is is a there are additional chambers for those molecules to go in and for their brain to say oh this is this scent and this is this and to identify we do not we have it but it's way smaller mm -hmm. because we are not mm -hmm. scent-based creatures Right. But remember, puppies and kittens are born blind and deaf, but they can navigate for up to th their eyes and ears don't even start to open from two to three weeks. And they and can they're all smeller. <laughs> right. They are all scent. So they mm. are physiologically created to rely on that scent. That's why so many can go blind. Mm -hmm. And still fully functioning and have no problem at all. Mm -hmm. so, you can smell their way around. Way around, yeah. So understand that. I always think of that when we use things like um, the body sprays or the after finish sprays, perfumes, and um, and it's like I'll be like, oh wow, it smells like you know papaya sunshine in here. <laughs> it's, so, it's so strong. And that's yeah. for me. And I'm yeah. old man on the totem pole with my smeller. Mm -hmm. So how then these animals go home and roll in their yard because they're like, I don't want to smell Get it. Get it off me. Right. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Explosion. Yeah. So we get nose blind and we yeah. spray things and use things. So when you're working 
holistically and you're working especially herbally and even with essential oils less is more mm -hmm. the, yeah they definitely pack a powerful punch they know they know their job it doesn't have to be overwhelming yeah i agree all right my lady We're on that note hour here we go again we have are so excited about bringing you this information you guys are the power that drives us to do what we do uh, we think you're amazing and we hope that you'll come again to our next episode and may your next sip be just as yes. delicious as your last so we'll see you soon and uh, keep caring for dogs yeah and cats and each other and each, and each other bye bye